Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Tim Saunders with Jim Jackson, Steve Coates, Chris Terrian. We're a little overdue for a Flyers Broadcast Roundtable. And the reason we are kind of behind schedule is some of the activities the last few days, the last few weeks. Uh, Chuck Fletcher is the new general manager. Guys, I, I, I think back to sitting in that conference, conference a week ago when Dave Scott and Paul Holmgren announced... Ron Hextall's firing. And I think what I came away from that with was that this was a clash between philosophy and reality. That in our sport today, even though the long view might be the way to build a franchise, which Ron Hextall obviously was doing, um, there are financial realities in our sport today uh, that suggest if you're not continuously uh, energizing your fan base, there's going to be a financial downfall to that. Uh, agree or disagree? I would say that was very well put. I think when you take a look uh, um, at the circumstance in a macro, not micro way, um, the customer is always right. And right now, I think that there was a little bit of a um, a negative attitude coming from the, the fan base. Um, things weren't going well on the ice, and that all comes into play in the long run when you look at people coming to the game, your TV ratings, who's watching the game, who's buying merchandise, who's buying all the, the peripheral things that are involved with running a franchise. And so on a day-to-day basis, we as broadcasters and, and everybody else watching, sure we were all surprised. But there's a reason for everything. And I think when you said earlier about phil- philosophical differences uh, and the financial situation, all those different pressures that come into running a professional franchise, that is what the end ends up being with what we saw last Sunday. I also think there's there's pressure from the outside when you look at what's going on in the landscape of the sports in Philadelphia. 76ers made a huge trade. They're on their way up, obviously drawing very well. They have a lot of buzz about them. The Eagles just won a Super Bowl. Clearly, they're going to always have buzz. Uh, so there was that going on, and also NHL teams. There have been four coaching changes already. Teams are making moves to get better for right now. So uh, Ron Hextall's patience, as Chuck Fletcher has said, as, as Paul Holmgren has said, as Dave Scott has said, has done this franchise well. They are now set up with a lot of prospects, with cap space, a lot of draft picks this year. So uh, that was needed for this franchise. Let's not forget that. They, they, they were not in that kind of position when he took over. But you got to take that next step, and obviously management felt they needed somebody else to do that. Yeah, good point by both you guys. And I think really when you look at it, it comes down to ultimately at the end of the day, guys, wins and losses. Uh, I've also, just touching upon what you both said, I'd never really seen as much fan frustration as I had to start this season. I know it goes on in other places as well, but just from my standpoint, uh, looking at the team, I think the fans like having a nice cupboard of good young prospects. But I also believe at the same time that there is that win-now attitude. This is Philadelphia, and it's a big city. Jimmy, you talked about the Super Bowl win last year with the Eagles and the Sixers coming on. I think the Flyers have, after five years, almost five years Ron was here, 
I think you have to start executing that plan. And, and when you're sitting second from the bottom of the conference, uh, that's not exactly the right messaging to the fans. So uh, this is a take-action franchise. Paul Holmgren's been a take-action GM before. He was always in making trades, uh, wheeling and dealing, which which Ron helped, uh, which was part of the way he did business. Uh, Ron was different in the sense that he was more patient and allowed uh, for development and to restock re- uh, the cupboard and uh, the salary cap. So, uh, But I think it all comes down to, to, to the wins and losses. What have you done for me lately? And uh, people at, at the higher-ups felt there was a, a needed change. You know, we've all been around long enough. My perception of the special relationship that the Flyers have always had with their fan base, I thought there was like an unspoken agreement that this team was always going to contend or always at least do whatever they could to contend. And maybe they started feeling like that wasn't happening now and something needed to change now. Well, I mean, that was, as Coatsy, you guys know this, I mean, Ed Snyder, that's where that came from because Ed Snyder wanted to win every single year. And that is, I think, Philadelphia, right, Bundy? I mean, that's what Philadelphia fans want. Now, in saying that, the Flyers, and I think even Ed would admit this if he were with us today, made some mistakes with that philosophy in terms of being impatient. It's finding that happy medium, and that's where Chuck Fletcher comes in. They're going to hope that he finds that happy medium between uh, being patient and obviously building up your, your farm system, building up your prospect list, but also making moves to win now. Trauma really brings a lot of attention by everybody to an organization like this right now. This is a traumatic situation when you fire a general manager in midseason. But when you take a look at this franchise as a whole, oh yeah, there was some tough times missing the playoffs five straight years when Russ Farr was here back in the early 90s. But when you look at the overall success of this franchise dating back to 1967, there's only one team that's got a better winning percentage since 67 than the Philadelphia Flyers in, in this league, and that's the Montreal Canadiens. There's one team that's been to more Stanley Cup finals. Yeah than the Philadelphia Flyers. That's the Montreal Canadiens. So it goes back to what Mr. Snyder did. And yeah, it created some rough spots. And that combination, and I think Jimmy just hit it right on the head, finding that perfect area, nothing's perfect, between developing a team through your farm system and at the same time bringing in what Mr. Snyder would call the splash. That splash, the Ronicks, the Forsbergs, that type of player to be able to combine the efforts of the general manager to be able to get to the common goal of winning hockey games, entertaining your fan base, and making it exciting in the building again. Yeah, I agree with you, Coatsy. And it really does, I think, Timmy, when you look at it, come down to to what you're doing for your fans. I just felt like, uh, I think when you look at it, the business side ended up probably being uh, Ron's unraveling, I guess, at the end of the day. Uh, Chuck has that knowledge. He's a, a business guy, Harvard guy. He understands that relationship. Uh, from the business side of things but just think when you look at the fans you know one thing they said today and what what he said and it's a view I get from a lot of the hockey world whether you love the Philadelphia Flyers or you don't you don't live in the area they are an iconic legendary brand Uh, I couldn't be more fortunate to have played here but that crest when you see it it is iconic, and it's identified through the country. There's fans that go everywhere. So for me, when I see less than a full building or less than that enthusiasm that I've been accustomed to through my 12 or 13 years here as a player, that concerned me because there was, that re- there, there was, there is still that relationship between the, the fans 
and the organization that I think is really unlike any other organization I'd seen. That's the foundation I think we need to get back to. All right, before we turn our attention to what's coming and the future, um, I think we all agree. I know you guys agree with what I'm about to say. Uh, I, I think we all respect the hell out of Ron Hextall, and I really respect he stuck to his guns. He had a plan, and he did a great job, and he has set the table here. Funny, you see this in other sports where a guy will come in and start the rebuild and set it up, and it's somebody else that gets them over the finish line. But we all knew whoever they were going to name is going to inherit a pretty good situation, and Chuck Fletcher certainly inherits one here. Yeah, and, and the one that comes to mind was, uh, pardon me, I, you could probably correct me, the GM from Chicago that ended up going to Florida. He's in Florida now, but he built that Chicago team. And then, uh, you know, Dale Stan Talon. Dale Talon. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah. So, I mean, it does happen, but no question. Ron uh, did a, a unbelievable patience. I think that, though, as I said, this is just my own take. I think there's a, there's a five years you get to a point where you're going up and down on a bit of a roller coaster. And I think that's what people were seeing. And I think that's where the frustration lied. But getting the kids that they have now, the Carter Hearts, uh, the young guys still, Ghost, uh, Provorov. I know Pro, uh, Ghost was with Paul's uh, re- uh, regime before Ron, but at this uh, drafted. But I just think there's a lot that he brought here. Uh, there is value and patience and being able to let guys play, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's uh, it comes down to you know the performance of the big team and what they do. Uh, but but certainly from talking to Chuck. Uh, he, he stated pretty clearly that uh, Ron's left him a, a nice opportunity. There's another team in town who had this situation. It was the Phillies uh, back in the 2000s. Ed Wade drafted that whole core, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard. But the teams were finishing in second, third. They were good, not great, but good, but not making the playoffs. And then Pat Gillick came in, and he made the moves of Jason Wirth, Brad Lidge, some of those moves to finalize the push, and that's where Chuck Fletcher comes in, right? He's going to have to find those players. Um, I think for now he's going to be patient, but I don't know if that patience will last too long if this team doesn't play better, so we can get into that. But bottom line is he's here to find those final pieces, right? The final pieces to the puzzle to get them to the next level. One of the hardest parts of being in this business is we, even as broadcasters, we spend more time with each other and with the, uh, the management and the coaches of this hockey club than we are with our own families. And so it becomes more than business, it becomes family. And when you lose a guy like Ron Hextall, and we've all been through it as many years as we've been in this business, that you know it's part of the business, you have to understand it. And once you understand why, you can move forward. And when you talk about what he has done, you cannot compare it. He's done a fabulous job, stuck by his guns, which is very, very admirable. No two ways about it. Uh, the result probably will be even that much better. It's sad that this had to happen to be able to get a, a positive result in the end. But sometimes you've got to take a step backwards to take a step forward. It wasn't moving in the right direction. And obviously the management of this hockey club felt that it was the time to make the necessary changes. As a result, we'll look back. Because it is going to be a good thing in the, in the, in the, in the final episode. But looking back, he will play a huge part in the success of this hockey club. Yeah, a lot of people, when the Phillies finally won the world championship, were pointing to Ed Wade for all the moves he made. I hope someday the Flyers are in that same boat. And any any of you guys have any doubt Ron will get a, a job somewhere in this uh, None whatsoever. Might, might be in Seattle. For well, if, you know what? If you're looking for patience, building a yeah. cover, stockpiling it, uh, you know, getting a competitive team on the ice, 
Ron Hextall could be a great decision for Seattle, Jimmy. Good call. All right, so let's talk about the new GM here. Chuck Fletcher uh, has a long history uh, of success, was in Minnesota for nine years, started with Bob Clark and called Bob uh, a mentor. Of course, his father was a longtime GM in this league, and in the press conference when he was introduced, uh, I picked up on him referring to his father and some of the things and the traits that he learned from his father, and the first one he pointed out was treating people and how you relate to the people around you. Not only the people that you come in contact with day to day, but your staff and allowing them to do their jobs. And I think that's a, an important part of what makes him attractive to Dave Scott and Paul Holmgren. There's no doubt. I mean, it, it's all a matter of personality. I mean, Coach, I think you know Chuck probably better than the rest of us, I, I, all, all I know from him is actually I was with you a couple of times uh, and you introduced him to right. me. And, and he's, he's a very nice guy and, and clearly takes that into his job. Uh, and, that, and that's part of the whole equation as well. I agree. I think that what you take a look at Chuck Fletcher, if you're big on what everybody else says throughout the National Hockey League, his reputation is impeccable as far as his personality, what type of guy he is. He's just a generally nice man. Very articulate, Harvard uh, taught. As he mentioned, Clarkie uh, was his mentor back in the early 90s with the Florida Panthers when they first came into the National Hockey League. Ironically, he and Doug Armstrong worked for Clarkie in those days, and both of them end up being general managers. So, yeah, I think that uh, that we look in the past, we've talked about the past, now I think you've got to be excited about the future with this gentleman being the general manager. So he says in his conference, I'm not the gunslinger I once was when I first started as a general manager. I think everybody expects he's going to start pulling the trigger and making moves immediately, and I don't think that's going to be the case. He sounds like he's in a mind frame where he's going to evaluate and try to figure out what he's got around him. Yeah, and I think I'd do the same thing too. Just, I mean, I don't think he can make a move because if he, you know, right now, immediately because he's got to come in and see what he's got you know I mean yeah he knows them from a distance he knows what Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek are all about uh, from years in the league uh, I just think it's it, based on your knowledge Coatsy and him being a good guy and a professional he he's not gonna uh, go out and sling a gun right now because he's gonna want to see what he has and and I like what he said he's interesting enough about Carter Hart because I know earlier in the year talking to Jonesy about it and Jonesy said you know what the kid's ready just stick him in there and let him play Chuck didn't say that that would happen this year but what I like what he said maybe it happens maybe it happens next year right. so again that's that's a part of a GM's job to evaluate the talent he has and one thing I got talking to him a little bit after was hey, I want to really see what we can do in-house here first before I decide to, to, that we have to outsource the job. Yeah, it's only fair, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, oh, no. Coach is everybody. Uh, right. Yeah, and Dave Axtell, I think, deserves that shot too. Um, there are, are things that are going to be different under Chuck Fletcher than they were under Ron Hextall that might or might not help Dave Hextall, but I think it's it's only fair that he gets a chance to, to show. I don't know how long we're talking. It might be just the road trip. Who knows? But I, I, I do believe that he deserves a shot to, to, to show he can win with this team. And we all we all agree this team's underperformed this year. Uh, they're better than they've been without a move. Maybe it's going to need a move to take them to yet another level. We'll see about that. Chuck Fletcher doesn't have to do a darn thing right now. He has no pressure, no gun to his head. He can sit back and watch because they're not going to pressure him to make any moves as long as, going back to what Bundy started this whole conversation about, wins and losses. That's what makes right. this thing tick. And if all of a sudden they start winning, then the longer he's going to take to make any changes. But he's going to understand along the way what he needs to be if he's going to get to the playoffs. And I hope it's true. And I think he, he I think this will happen. 
that he'll understand what he needs to do to make the team better to be able to get to the playoffs and be successful once they get there. I thought it was interesting that Dave Scott in the press conference a week ago specifically referenced the trade deadline. He did. And maybe I read too much into that, but that told me with two-thirds of the season still to be played that their timetable, they wanted to get a guy in here with enough time to evaluate where he might be active. I'd be real surprised if this team wasn't more of a buyer than anything else. I think they're going to be active, and this is going to give Chuck Fletcher some time to evaluate what he needs. Yeah, and when we're talking about time to evaluate, I don't think we're talking months here. Right. I think we're talking weeks. That's why I'm talking about this road trip. It's, it's going to be a very important road trip for this team in general, uh, for the players, for the coaching staff, for everybody. Uh, I, that, that caught my ear, too, when he mentioned the trade deadline at that press conference. So clearly, I mean, we're looking at the Wayne Simmons situation. You right. start thinking about that. Uh, Ivan Pro, I mean, they have some restricted free agents coming up. And as we saw with William Nylander, that's no longer a slam dunk. Those uh, younger players now are thinking holdout. You don't want Konechny and Provorov and Sanheim and all these guys holding out next year. So he's got a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, one of the interesting things, uh, too, Timmy, I think, when looking at it is that the fact that I think as a GM, he's in a fortunate spot here. He's got one home game. Uh, before they head on the road. I really think you get a better evaluation of guys when you look at them and see how they play on the road. I know times are different. I don't think it's as difficult to win on the road, but I think certainly you're able to judge guys a little bit differently than having five home games instead of five road games. So I think that he's going to really, really bear down for the next couple weeks. Use that as an evaluation period. But I, I, I do I do agree with you, Tim, in a sense that I think I think he's going he's gonna to do something, and I think it's going to be something that's going to be a splash to the city. That's a guess, but I just feel that's what this team needs, and I think Chuck, Chuck Fletcher will probably yeah. try to do that sooner rather than later. The only way that doesn't happen is if they go on some kind of ridiculous of course, streak, right? Of course. Which we all think is possible. It is Chuck possible. Said it. Yeah, they did it with it this me. very trip last year, right? Yeah, he said, yeah. he goes, listen, this is a team I'm fully aware won 10 games in a row. So... You know, I said they've also lost 10 games yeah, in a row. Right. But, you know, I said that's been the, the challenge. But but he's aware of those things, you know, and those are important things of the history of the team. What's been there is is there a possibility of it repeating itself? Franny, we're at that same point because wasn't it December 4th last year? From that point on, they yeah. were the fifth best team Started in, Calgary. in the NHL, yeah, yeah. right? And they're going on a similar road trip. So let's talk about his priorities. And, and granted, he's going to evaluate and make some decisions on – on, on what he's got to address, but he did say that defense is probably the first thing. And and I don't mean just the blue line, the goaltending. The Flyers have given up too many goals. They're in the bottom three in goals against. That's the first thing that he mentioned. And he said today that improving defensively is the quickest way to get better. That'll be the first thing he looks at, right? Well, <laughs> that's more of an area for Bundy to talk about. <laughs> Why? I well, think no, he team defense. Though, <laughs> he did. He did. Well, yeah. he was, no, and he did mention goaltending but right after that. I, too, I think so. for a, for a guy coming in, and I'll use that expression, macro as kind of as compared to micro defense. Obviously, he wants to goalie. I mean, from from goalie goalie out. I mean, that would be my order of importance. I should have paid attention in college. <laughs> micro <laughs> macro. Boy, I really See, regret that. Economics. Economics. Man, it's excellent yeah. stuff. Steve. I know. It's, it's, I tell you what. I I had to look it up before I got here. Good stuff. <laughs> so, but you got to look at the execution, the way the team plays. How does the team play? What's its personality? And that everybody says identity. Yeah, yeah that's no. the same thing as personality. What What is this team like? What are they like when they're up? What are they down? How are they when they're down? Yeah, good luck. This is this is like Sybil. An emotional roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Was seven personalities? Is that Sybil? 
Sybil, yeah. They I, don't, this team doesn't know funny, who they are. I was yeah. thinking of Abby Normal. <laughs> to <laughs> make another movie reference. It's yeah. <laughs> going old Mel uh, Brooks, are you? The personality of the team over the last three or four games, they've been pretty gritty. Uh, sorry, I use that term. Uh, they, they, they've, they've had some fights. They've had a couple of game-turning fights. But if you look back before that, no. And then we've seen periods where they play tough, and then the next period they're not there. So he's going to have to make that analysis. Yeah. And it's a tough one with this team. It really very, is. very tough. You yeah. never know what you're going to get night yeah. tonight. Yeah, because if you bottle the Pittsburgh game That's right. Saturday, and, and Chuck just watched that game three times, say, wow, we got we got a heck of a collection of, of talent here. Right. But then you can show them the third period of the Ottawa game. Right. And it's, again, and Coatsy, I think you said it. Uh, it's at, uh, at Jimmy, too. What is this team's identity? I don't think they know right now what their identity is, and I think that is the biggest factor for the Philadelphia Flyers moving forward is here's who we are, and here's who we're going to be every night. Uh, well, I Personally, the one thing, he's been through situations like the goaltending injuries that the Flyers are now experiencing. He had that in Minnesota for a while. Uh, and Brian Elliott is on the road to recovery, and I don't think it's going to be very long before he potentially is ready to go. I personally hope that Anthony Stildars continues to be given an opportunity here because I don't know about you guys, but I've been pretty impressed with what he's done in a small sample size. I like him. I mean, he's got all the attributes of the modern goalie. He's big. He's athletic. Uh, he loses his angle once in a while. But again, we got to remember this guy's played so little hockey the last two years because of his knee surgeries. So, uh, but it is amazing to think. What was it? Three weeks ago, he was the number three guy in Lehigh Valley, <laughs> and now he's the number one guy here. And now, maybe not for long, as you say, Brian Elliott's. Uh, they're still saying week to week, but that could be two weeks. So, uh, and when he gets healthy, I'm. I'm pretty confident he's going to be the guy but uh, there's something in me also just with the way Chuck brought up the five goalie we got to find stability there I don't necessarily think that we're out of the realm of somebody from the outside coming in before this year's over I mean if it doesn't settle down on its own and Chuck historically if you go back to Minnesota had done a good job of patching holes in goal remember he had Josh Harding one right. year before MS, he had the right? yeah he had the MS thing but he was phenomenal then he found yeah. Devin Dubnik coming from uh, Edmonton at the time uh he's made some good moves for goaltender he's got a keen eye on that so it'll be interesting but I I, I don't think guys there's any doubt five goaltenders is is, is a lot probably mentally for the guys involved and also uh, for the fan base and for everyone else involved, it's a tough, tough thing as well. Yeah. I, I'm going to quote my partner sitting there, Mr. Saunders, who said that sometimes you can back into situations just because of the circumstances that we've had here, where all of a sudden we had two goalies go down, we had a couple of goals, actually had three goalies go down, right. uh, and one was put on waivers and all the different things that caused this whole situation. And if you remember, Matt Murray kind of backed into it in Pittsburgh a few years ago. He ends up winning a Stanley Cup. So I think the same things that Timmy has said about Stolarz, that he's done a great job. He had a little bit of a blip there in the tail end of the, of the game against Ottawa last Tuesday. But that's only because I think the team had a problem in front of him. I can't look back and say there was any fault to any of the goals. He had a goal that I've never seen <laughs> scored by Duchesne to, to be the winner. But the bottom line is he's a big guy, so he's going to – make saves just accidentally, but I think there might be something here that's a blessing for right now for this hockey club. Wouldn't be the first time. It's, as you, you mentioned, Murray, but there's been goalies through the years who, oh, yeah. I mean, Camp Talbot was a, a backup. Nobody thought anything. And he went to Edmonton. It spectacular. He hasn't been able to repeat that, but it, it can happen. I think Monday, I mean, you, you, you played in front of a lot of goalies. He has the physical attributes to be a good goalie. I really like Anthony Stolarz. Yeah, I have. I mean, going back even until training camp, I you know, he had a good game. Uh, in camp, but I know he's coming off the injuries and stuff, but 
I tell you what, I mean, for some reason, it just felt like there was a little bit of a calmness the last couple of games. And again, throw that third period out against Ottawa. Stuff happens sometimes, but uh, he is the prototypical look now of what an NHL goalie, uh, what, what people want, that Ben Bishop type of style, you know, big 6'6 guy with athleticism. I, I absolutely think Anthony Stoller has an open window here to go perform very well, and he'll certainly get a chance and a look from the, from his new GM. Well, the first new addition is an assistant coach, and Rick Wilson's been brought in. Um, he's going to work with the defenseman uh, specifically, I think, and there are some projects. Is that the best way of putting There are some guys on this blue line that have clearly taken a back step, and they're better players, I think, than their numbers would suggest that they are. That might be the first area of focus. I mean, Either of these two guys are good to talk about this. You, Bundy, you had him. I had Rick in Dallas, yeah. That's right. It was that he played yeah. with him, believe it or not. Yeah, I was at the end of my career, but a very, very good hockey man. Uh, a, a lot like, uh, just if it can compare him to somebody you'd know, a lot like Kevin McCarthy, mm-hmm. uh, the Cato, uh, the former Flyers assistant with Peter Laviolette. Good sense of humor, and he seems to be disarming. He yeah, uses that. To- yeah, he is. And you know what? When he understands that things are not going to go your way all the time, and he also understands that other players on other teams happen to make plays. You know, things like that do happen in hockey. We forget that sometimes. But uh, a very, very good man, a really good hockey mind, uh, and I enjoyed my time with him in Dallas. I think it will be good for the young guys. I think just the longevity of having a guy that was being an assistant coach or associate coach and a little bit of a head coach, 32 games at one point with the Dallas Stars, gives you an awful lot of credibility, especially on a a coaching team that's not really uh, full of longevity in the National Hockey League. So you bring that experience, you bring a cup, uh, you bring the experience of working with some pretty good coaches over the year. And players. And players. I think that that is, you can't measure that up anyway, but saying, yeah, this is the real deal. And how about the opportunity? Because when you look at the 31 teams, you say, hold on. Every team's got a defensive coach, so who's the best guy out there? Well, he might be the best guy just because he retired. Yeah, I mean, to find him in retirement, that's a a break. And he's in the same age group as you, and and clearly he's taken way better care of himself. (laughs) Well, you see, he was a defenseman. He didn't get – well, I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Well, the Flyers find themselves – Why did my face come up into this? How how could it it not? ever (laughs) – Flyers headed. Yeah, I didn't say anything about height. Little macro micro Did you hear that I say anything about height? The Flyers head west, and it was again this time of the year, that road trip where the Flyers kind of got turn, things turned around, and hopefully that'll be the case this year and our next broadcaster roundtable. We can talk about how they did it. Right? So That's it's right. a challenging trip, boy. I mean, Very challenging. Buffalo, Winnipeg, Buffalo's, I know they're losing a little now, but they're not what they used to be. Winnipeg's one of the best teams. Calgary's playing really well. Yeah. Edmonton's McDavid. How about That's the only about a three hour flight from Buffalo to Winnipeg, too, on a back to back. It's a challenging trip, but, but hey, maybe that's what it takes sometimes. You know what? It yeah. It's stacked up against them right now when you think about it. They got Columbus coming in here getting whacked 9 6. Then they're going to go play the Buffalo Sabres coming off a 10 game. They just got beat a couple of times, but they won 10 in a row. They're pretty good right now. Then they got to go play Winnipeg. Calgary beats Columbus 9-6. What a road trip this is going to be. They got a new coach in Hitch with Edmonton. Yo, that That's other right. guy in Edmonton. Turning McDavid into a checker. Us against, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> us against the world sometimes. That's I like the, that. No, I like that. Why not? Yeah. With our latest Broadcasters Roundtable for Steve Coates, Jim Jackson, Chris Terrian. I'm Tim Saunders. 
preceding program is an original production of Flyers Radio 24-7. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersradio247.com.